This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Alex on Earth and Nathan. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. listening to lightning strikes thrice the jrpg games club podcast that knows to protect the hot dogs this is season nine episode 10 covering the battle of the gardens in final fantasy 8 for the ps1 i'm your host matt marcus and my pronouns are he him and with me today is Sybil arnett she her ryan Beatty, they them all right what happened last time so the seeds all left fisherman's horizon learned about a bit of lore in shumi village picked up a couple GFs, then liberated the town of Balam from Galbadian occupation with the help from some stank fish. You know, this is a one-piece plot. (laughs) (laughs) From there, they visited the destroyed Trabia Garden and learned that everyone save Renoa spent some of their childhood in an orphanage run by Adea, but they all forgot because of GF poisoning. As a result of (laughs) visiting the orphanage, Galbadia Garden can be seen poised for a showdown with Balam Garden. Before we get into this week's activities, festivities, plot, mm-hmm. whatever, I, I do want to just issue uh, an announcement that I know that I was not a very uh, good critic <laughs> last episode when I was just like, I don't care that it's bad. It's good, actually. Uh, that doesn't help anybody. Um, so I, dear listener, I'm going to venture to try to better articulate my extreme pro Final Fantasy VIII partisanship, uh, going forward. Uh, we'll see Mm -hmm. how, how much I succeed. Yeah, I mean, I got, like, I'm I'm gonna cut this down, but uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Sybil just stood up and she's wearing a Tonberry shirt that Uh just says don't. (laughs) Uh, see, see, this is the thing, like, you're, you're just buying into redacted anti-JRPG propaganda where it's just like, I like it because I like it, and even though it's bad. Right, but I should be able to articulate this. I'm on a know, podcast, know, people know, are paying us money for this, and instead, I, know, I was I just know. like, no, it's fucking good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was very funny. <laughs> that episode comes out uh, after we record this, so... Mm. <laughs> uh Good times. Okay, so we're on a collision course now because uh, in in the forest just outside, as Sybil said in the recap, we can see Galbadia Garden just kind of like looming, hanging out. Uh, Squall is called up to the bridge by Nita and is given some binoculars to see that, uh, yeah, that sure is Galbadia Garden. Uh, Cypher is leading the charge there. Uh, he says, conflict is inevitable, so there's no point in running away. He kind of mentions, he's like, uh, I bet that Cypher just kind of thinks that he can't go back. But he doesn't say, but he can come back. So he's, you know, yeah. he's kind of saying like, yeah, he's probably right. Mm-hmm. Um Squall then turns on the intercom and tells everyone that they're preparing for battle. This is kind of cute. There's not a whole lot of consequence here, but uh, you, as the player, are given a menu of commands that you can give. You can pick as many as you want, but only three are actual, like, proper commands. If you don't select these particular commands, 
either Nita or Dr. Katakawa will suggest that uh, he make them. Like, hey, maybe you should pick this thing too and 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 yeah. tell the student soldiers that you're trying to rally about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you miss it, Dr. Katakawa will also just like bust in on the intercom and say it herself, which is cute. Yeah. And then if you pick any of the inessential commands, then uh Nita's like, hey, don't overwhelm our soldiers. They're just teens. They 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 need they need clear direction, Squall. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um they're are, there might be uh, seed rank point implications, but like you know, we are getting like just thousands of gill every few minutes. So mm-hmm. who gives a shit at this point? Yeah, my God, I it would be so funny if like when Squall kind of gets like overruled, where he just goes, "Oh yeah, good job." Also, I'm throwing you in the brig for uh, insubordination. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a true leader is. Is and it's so funny because like the the game up to this point is really trying to sell Squall's like slow realization that he both can and also must start taking more responsibility and that mm-hmm. he's a natural leader and all of this. But here he goes back to being like very clumsy and like uh uh what do I do? Yeah. And it's really not a convincing speech, but it works. <laughs> I love the idea that being a natural leader just involved childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you think we got Elon Musk? Someone put him down yeah, the stairs yeah. and he got just the right kind of brain damage. God. <laughs> uh, but by the way, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that one of the commands is protect the hot dogs. And of yeah. course, everyone picks protect the hot dogs. <laughs> is Is this where... Or is it later, where a fucking faculty member tells Squall that it is his destiny to fight Cypher? I don't remember. I I didn't run into anyone doing that. Okay, because, yeah, it's very funny to me that, like, that uh, both Nita and also uh, Dr. Katakawa will mention, like, hey, it's it's your destiny to fight your, your rival. And it's like, this is, these are... These are still teenagers. I haven't pulled the these are teens card in a long time. Uh and these are these are still fucking teenagers. It's really weird. Yeah, I <laughs> that it I is think, your destiny. Think, you know, I think Squall kind of says that himself, right? Like I think mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, this, this, there's just no way to avoid this. Like I, I'm gonna have to fight him again. Yeah. But anyway, Squall heads down from the bridge and is met with the other party members, except for Zell, who is currently taking a nap. Uh good for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently he hasn't been getting much sleep lately but the uh, reason is quote unquote our little secret according to Quistus which doesn't they fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be that would be an incredible twist god Zella's the uh, the rebound she's horny he's desperate they fucking oh. she's protecting the hot dogs <laughs> Well, the thing is, there there is a there is a woman who is interested in Zell, and we're not going to talk about it till probably like the end of the season. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Okay, but that's that's a fun hand kid, and I I I hate it, but I love it. But I hate yeah. It. <laughs> uh, so Squall picks a party to go to the quad and tells the others to head to the front gate to aid in the defense. And, like some part of the commands was like, "There's a defense one, is a there's an offense one," and so he sends one to the other. And when asked about what to do about Renoa, he tells the front gate team, just be like, you handle her. Just, you know, keep an eye on her. 
uh, on your way down to the quad, you can give orders to other NPCs running around. Uh, and they all just go like, yes, sir. Or like, hey, what's your what's your student ID number? Oh, it, it ends in an even. You go that way. And they all, you know, salute him. It's like, yes, sir. And go do the thing. And uh, I, I like that. You know, it's just it is demonstrating that the random NPCs do respect Squall and like they do <laughs> listen to what he says and that he's like able to give commands that people listen to, which is, you know, especially when you're panicking, you know, with shit really going down it's not a guarantee right yeah it's you know the him being a quote-unquote natural leader but not feeling like it to us i don't necessarily think is like a failing on the game's part it's just that we have access to his internal monologue we see how much he just like biffs it and Mm -hmm. fumbles it with his emotions all the time and so then it's like yeah when the students are actually listening to him and when he's Mm -hmm. giving like good commands it's like oh okay yeah he is doing it he does he is the main character I mean, like when he has a plan and he or he's like given a plan, like he knows how to execute it and he just doesn't think about it. He's just, you know, oh, this is what you do. You go do that. That was his like superpowers that he follows the rules. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he knows he has good instincts on how to do a mission. He's just not very good at, you know, being the guy that creates the idea to do the thing. I thought it was just that we were all three gifted children who know exactly what he's going through and are used to adults looking oh. at us and going, you're more mature than your years. And then <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah, of course, he's not going to know anything about this. <laughs> ah, so at the quad, Zell is already there and he's giving a pep talk to a platoon of students. Turns out he's not a slacker after all. He's basically learning that this is going to be his college football game that he will talk about for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> He tells Squall that, yeah, we've got this side covered, buddy, but then he pulls the commander aside and asks him for a little favor. Can I borrow the ring that we've never seen on your character model or in any of the cutscenes for uh, something? (laughs) Squall's like, well, sure, I obviously am not using it because I don't have an equipment slot. And Zell's like, yeah, Renoa is gonna be so excited. And Squall's suddenly like, what have I done? God. (laughs) Speaking of the devil herself, Renoa arrives and says she's going to fight to prove that she belongs with the rest of the party, joining the quad team. Zell then tells Squad, he's got this handled. Squall tells him, don't get it wet during combat, and leaves. <laughs> Zell then shouts, time to get it on, which makes me think that he did not listen to Squall at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a direct quote that is a uh, very funny uh I don't know how that got snuck in. (laughs) Look, I've been playing Lego Batman 3, a game that has so many jokes for adults that the Joker is constantly trying to inappropriately shove the planet in his pants when he gets shrunk (laughs) by Brainiac. (laughs) He does a whole song and dance routine. I mean, he's he's got the whole world in his pants. That's that's the song and dance routine. Yeah. Beautiful. There you go. It's right there. Okay. Uh, so on the way back, Squall is called up to the bridge. Galbadia Garden is charging straight towards them, and they can see that Cypher is in front leading the attack, uh, in an extremely sick CG cutscene. Cypher mm-hmm. commands a group of G-soldiers on rocket-propelled motorcycles to jump off a ramp from Galbadia Garden, fly through the air in a massive arc, and land on the quad. It is one of the dumbest and most nonsensical things, but via rule of cool, I love this shit. 
uh, and Squall is like, hey, Nita, uh, evade. And we've seen this just a little bit beforehand, but I want to point it out again that it is incredibly funny uh, that the uh, whole garden is piloted with a single blade-like joystick that's just, like, massive. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. funny. Work for yeah, especially friends. because, like, like Nita, like, winds his knee up to, like, put his whole body weight into the turn. Yes. Oh, did I steal your little comment there? Oh, no, no, no. I was just talking about how the Enterprise gets steered with a joystick sometimes, too. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The the thing that I like about the the motorcycle thing is, like, the bounce. The way they, like, Mm -hmm. show the bounce off of the... Like, I guess it's like the roof-ish, whatever you'd call the roof of this building, because it's all, like, rounded, like, orbs and shit. I think it's still a roof. It's still... Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, because everything's all rounded and biomorphic, because it was the fucking 90s. Right. Matt, roofs can't be round, Marcus. (laughs) Huts? That's not a roof. Get that shit out of here. I mean... Yeah, fuck you, El Duomo. (laughs) The laws of physics do really fly in the face of, like, launching uh, these motorcycles off of a round roof. Like, it shouldn't work, but that is very CinemaSinzy, and we are talking about JRPGs here. Look, returning to the Elon discussion, these are the water tower rockets of uh, personal craft. (laughs) Yeah. But the the thing that I just liked about it was just the the bounce and, like, the compression of the tires and, like, the shocks Mm -hmm. and shit. Like, that's very well rendered in this little cutscene here. It is. I also, like, I like how they flip down their, like, helmet visors and Mm. we see them, like, revving up. It's very, like, oh, shit, shit is going down. They're they're launching the soldiers onto our quad. It's – our quad is now a battlefield. Yeah. (laughs) Rival schools – um <laughs> united by fate <laughs> yeah so uh back with zell's team now the quad is overrun by g soldiers on these motorcycles for some reason uh we don't fight them while they're on their bikes uh missed opportunity cool. yeah it could have been cool the team <laughs> i want <laughs> I do wonder if they were like, hey, we cannot have motorcycle combat in this game. No one liked it in Final Fantasy VII. Every dev on this game has played Streets of Rage, and they know how irritating those enemies are, and they're not doing that to you. <laughs> yeah. God, there must have been there must have been a prototype where Zell's on his hoverboard, and he's fighting mm-hmm. these fucking things. I just yeah. thought of that. Jesus. Yeah. It would have sucked the play, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Zeldink's Pro Border. The um, sketching <laughs> minigame? Sure. <laughs> so uh, the team charges back into the quad, and then Zell remembers that he's got Squall's ring and gives it to Renoa, who immediately puts it on and is like, hey, it's cool, but it's uh, way too big. And and he's like, yeah, you're not getting that one permanently. Come on. Um, <laughs> this one's just, it's just for safekeeping for the time being. Um, Squall doesn't even wear it. Like, he wears it on his neck anyway. Uh, but... <laughs> Well, the thing is, the animation, when he gives it over, he takes it off of his finger. Okay, so he's got the griever. doesn't make sense. He's got the ring, he's got the class ring, and then he also has, like, the griever keychain that he wears around his neck. Okay. Yeah, the pendant pendant is different than the ring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think you even see the ring modeled at all in-game. I think you can, like, buy, like, replicas of it. I think uh, Square Enix actually made one you could buy, like, out of silver. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they uh, do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't in the game 
physically at all. There's nothing modeled for it. Right. And then because we have to have a ridiculous teen romance save the cat moment uh, in the middle of this massive <laughs> battle, at the end of the quad, the two gardens clip each other as they pass, which uh, creates uh, a big destruction sequence and a big chunk of the ground falls off of Renoa's feet, which uh, leaves Renoa hanging for her dear life on the edge, uh, on, on, on like a broken ledge of garden. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is you're in control of Zell there, at, but if you like stand in the wrong place, like the AI will just make a move away from where it falls away. Uh, <laughs> I, I have played around with that. If you're like, can you like get Zell to fall or like stand in the wrong spot? It's like, no, it'll stop you. Uh, but it is very funny. So incredible. We then take Zell uh, and he heads to the front gate to meet up with Squall's team to ask for his help. And he, he's like, Renault is in danger. And Squall's like, bro, there's like bigger things happening right now. Like yeah. everyone's in danger. <laughs> uh-huh. Squall's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, everyone here is such an idiot. This like mm-hmm. little, like little beat here drives me crazy. But over the PA, someone reports that soldiers are attacking in the classrooms on the second floor. So Squall is like now being pulled in all sorts of directions. But he then, you know, he's like starting to panic, but he's like, all right, stop. I got to figure out who's going where we're going to break into three teams. Uh, he will take two people and go up to the classrooms. One person will say with Zoo at the front gate and then Zell will try to save Renoa by himself, which uh, I mean, look, I would normally say that that is like, lol, good luck, Renoa. <laughs> Here's Zell. But like, OK, <laughs> Zell's trying here. Like this is this is Zell's like step up moment. So like. He doesn't ultimately do it but <laughs> step up you know, to the he, seats uh-huh uh-huh i regret uh, so <laughs> so no unfortunately sorry sorry <laughs> i might cut that i don't know uh you may as well <laughs> uh sometimes it's good to just leave a joke that doesn't land you know what? like chris does it all the time to me so you know what <laughs> I, I think that's the hardest i've bombed on one of these in ages yeah as well <laughs> usually it's an like a super obscure reference that is like we're just not exposed to. So yeah. I didn't think uh-huh. "step up to the streets" was super obscure. Oh it? no, I oh, it, I didn't. I I love "step up to the streets." It just took me a, a, a way too long to process, and so by the time I chuckled, it was it sounded like a sympathy chuckle when I did not mean it to be <laughs> that. Yeah, that that one whooshed me. But anyway, so. We take the team up to the 2F classroom where we see a cutscene of G soldiers who are in those little mech flight suits that we saw at Galbadia Garden when we first visited them. They fly out and it's like it's cool, too, because they like fall out like backwards and then catch themselves like it, it looks sick. And they fly over to the garden. They attach to the walls on the outside and then they rappel down using wires and kick through the window. And then we jump right into a scripted fight. And uh, this is with a a new type of G-soldier that is green. They're called paratroopers. The wrinkle with them is that they will cast stop on the party. They do a lot of casting. They're not much tankier than normal soldiers, but you were facing four of them. And if you're not quick, you'll get stopped. And that sucks because you'll just get beat up a lot. After the fight in the hallway, Squall will be told by another seed that Mark, one of the children, is missing. 
and Squall locates him and sends him off to safety just in time for a flying suit from the paratroopers to break into the hallway and smash them both against the wall. Clearly everyone over at Galbadia is being taught the human bodies act as a cushion style of landing. A health meter mm -hmm. pops up for Squall and you get some menu options on how to react. Trying to fight or calling for help will lead to the soldier knocking Squall back and yes. causing damage. The key is to look around and press the emergency exit button, which will then cause the suit to charge <laughs> and the pair of you are sent tumbling out of the now open exit. This minigame continues in what is basically a bad arcade light gun sequence where you're both <laughs> hanging from the rappel cable that they got in by and you have punch, kick, and defend buttons going on while a CG cutscene of the battle behind them happened. So you know how in FF10 there's that really cool scene where you're all coming down wires to storm the uh, capital? This is basically that, but if it was done by American Laser Games or Sega's hologram <laughs> fights. This is hologram arena. What's so funny about this is that just like... like the gameplay part of it is so mm -hmm. perfunctory and awkward and clunky, yeah. but for a 1999 PlayStation CG cutscene ass like projection, I think the action itself looks very cool. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely doesn't look even half as sick as 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 like the wire grinding in Final Fantasy X. But uh, while this was happening, I was like, yeah, 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 fucking wow, cool robot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the thing about it that I find is that like you're almost supposed to be like so wowed by wanting to look at what's going on in the background. And then plus on top of that, you start with like notably less health than the other guy. So like you're kind of panic, like first time you're playing this anyway, you're under a lot of pressure and it seems like you're getting a lot of things thrown at you at once, but you really, you more or less, you just smash punch and you win. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can die, uh, by, by doing that. Like sometimes you have to like be a little careful cause he'll like do a fast punch on you. But for the most part, like just the best defense is a good offense. All I'm saying is that in the same year, Xenogears actually made a damn mech combat game rather than whatever the hell this is. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the sequence, the, the play of the sequence fucking sucks. It, it, yeah, it, it's not good. It really does. It's not no. good. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is funny, though, because if you are like decent at this game, or at least you know that you're not like you could just go ham you finish it halfway before the cutscene ends and then you just stand there squall's just hanging there as the rest of the cutscene plays out because it can't stop early just looking fucking sick as hell just like <laughs> just look and fly yeah just yeah, keep just mashing flying punch around. for something to do once you knock off the soldier, Squall will take over the flight suit and pick up Renoa to drag the pair of them towards Galbadia. You have now landed in the middle of the skirmish and have to run towards the building as the battle rages behind them. Zell literally didn't do his one job. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I think he said he like looked for there's a bit where he like looks for a rope and can't find it. Like I probably glossed over it, but yeah. Like this scene of them running across and the battle behind them is like probably my favorite CG cutscene in this entire game because it's so dynamic. All this shit is happening. People are like, you know, it's it's always cool, especially in a game of this vintage where you see like 
it's hard to say diegetic because all the magic is technically diegetic, but like seeing characters using the magic outside of just the battle system mm-hmm. and like seeing like a girl cast Fira and just see the big explosion of fire was like super rad. And there's a guy that gets clotheslined off of a bike with a sword, which rules. Yes. The thing is also, I mean, you're running in front of this. So your character models are running in front of this. And so it's also one of those things you blink and you miss it. Or if mm-hmm. you're just focusing on the characters because you're in control of your characters and the camera's moving and you want to keep up with that, that you might miss a lot of the detail. But it's like, I, I just love this little cutscene so much. And then it, it just completely switches gears a yeah. second later. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, we're quiet and safe now? No, you're fucking not. Shut up. Don't do this now. But yeah, I I I agree. I like there there is there is so much attention to like both dense action but also like legible. It there, there is a story being told across this entire series of mm-hmm cg then gameplay then gameplay on top of cg sequences that like okay it there is there is a there is an arc to this fight sequence i know how my characters got there i know why they're there and also everything around them is fucking chaos and it Mm -hmm. feels like a real battle with real stakes and then and then (laughs) we smash cut to a dialogue scene where squall and renoa chat with absolutely zero sense of urgency Renoa thanks Squall for saving her. Squall deflects, saying that he was just following orders and that it was everyone else's idea. I love that he's supposed to be the leader, but he was, like, following Zell's orders, I guess, at this point. Yada, yada, yada. Tsundere, tsundere. Uh... So she tells him that uh, she couldn't have died there because she's got his ring. And Squall mm-hmm. thinks to himself that he's, he's, he's like, oh, this is what fucking Zell wanted my ring for? To give it to her? And he asks for it back. Uh, she's like, hey, what's this cool lion about? And Squall's like, yeah, um, that's Griever. He's my furry OC. Please do mm-hmm. not steal. Uh, Renoa thinks that Griever is incredibly cute and that, like, Squall's connection to this little lion guy is also cute. She says that uh, Zell is just is going to make one just like it for her and uh wouldn't people say things then you know Mm -hmm. like uh they're dating wouldn't that be wild if everyone got the wrong idea that they were dating can i just say that i don't know if i've ever heard anything that gave me more of the vibe that only old straight white guys wrote this game than my furry is on a ring a thing that people (laughs) will look at which is easily a thing that you can commission which is definitely where you would put a tiny light. Get a pendant. Get a T-shirt. Get a poster. You're in. You're in fantasy college. Put that on your walls. Get a lion's tail and wear it around your waist. <laughs> Up your ass. Who knows? I. But the thing is, Sybil, Squall has a ring, and a pendant, and a keychain off of his fucking gun blade. Like, he's got at least three Griever <laughs> items on him at all time. Like, he, he is role-playing this shit. I'm just saying, a ring is the worst possible accessory. Get a bangle! <laughs> you at least have some if surface wore, area to work with. If, if, if Squall wore Crocs instead of combat boots, instead of Doc Martens, he would have those dumbass Croc jewels that were just Griever all over his mm-hmm. Crocs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Croc jewels? Uh, oh, Croc yeah. Jewels. Uh, 
they're they they they're called something specific, and they're the most hideous and garish thing I've ever seen. Where people, especially people who were very anti-croc, who then started wearing Crocs because they realized how comfortable they were, they started to bling out their Crocs with extremely, extremely gaudy little pendants and figurines that they like shove in some of the breathe holes in their Crocs. It it is <laughs> it is. One of the grossest little like uh, normie fashion trends I've ever seen. I, I thought you were talking about croc nuts, like the little testicles that hang off the back of your crocs. No, I'm talking about <laughs> genuine croc tchotchkes that the oh, croc God. nuts uh, were designed to kind of mock, I think. I was, you know, I was going to try to turn that into a portmanteau with like crotchkeys, but that doesn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, crotchkeys no, are you. when you're in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> also, croc nuts just makes me think of like. Remember how in the '90s everyone was commenting on uh, Lara Croft's polygonal pointy tits? Just imagine yeah. that, but with uh, very square <laughs> mascot croc. And what's under those shorts? Uh-huh. Oh my god! <laughs> just those those grapes from uh, FF14 that were low polys, but it's uh, yeah. a crocodile penis. Uh huh. Yep, yep. Uh, Croc. <laughs> uh, Legend of the Gabos. Gabos doesn't sound right anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, can't, baby, I can't make it work. I just tried to no, make it. No, she legendarily no. Gabo on my... I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Instead, it's <laughs> just got to be... Gabo hey, on my ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Hey, babe, come over and slob on my Gabos. <laughs> I gobbo half my Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> fucking a. Uh, Squall is like God. Everyone is just trying to play matchmaker with us. It's so obvious that even I can see it. My guy, you are also in love with her. You just yeah. can't see that yet. Yeah, I, uh, I just love that he comments on it, though. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's like, uh, you seem like you want people to get the wrong idea. And uh, she totally denies it. Uh, but you know what? We are still in the middle of a fight. So Squall is like, hey, uh, let's actually do this fight. And then we enter the school. So the garden interior uh, looks the same as it did before, just without any of the students. And uh, now uh, the doors are locked. Hooray. (laughs) Uh, So you have to make circuits around uh, the building to find students who have decided not to fight and to then give you key cards to let you through. 
the thing that's so weird about this is that there are no soldiers in here. Everything is monsters, as if this were like Albania Garden and they let, you know, you know how they let all the training center monsters into, you know, into the place during the Civil War. It's like, what if that, but we it wasn't established at all. So what the hell are these monsters and why are they just roaming around? It's very, I mean, the the head cannon, you know, or like the the um, the no prize answer would be a day is controlling the monsters. OK, cool. But it's right. not established at all that that's a thing other than when she, you know, created monsters out of, you know, gargoyle statues. So just a so, question. We're on yeah. Galbadia Garden for the rest of this. Disc, yes. Right? OK, yeah, yes. cool. Then I have a, and so yeah. my, my like headcanon theory is that their version of that she opened up their version of the training center and let the yeah. monsters run loose uh, when because like, yeah, we find out later that uh, Idea kicked a lot of the of the garden students out and and mm. moved the Galbadia soldiers in. And so um, it's actually child soldiers versus adult soldiers this whole time, not yeah. child yeah, on exactly. child. So actually, actually, Balam Garden is is the more is the more horrendous war crime of the two gardens right now, um, <laughs> losing kids. But because that's what I assumed at first is like is I was like, oh, they just don't want us to fight teens. So we've got yeah. these monsters. But that is also not the case because it's mostly adults. I mean, also, they are basically the students wear the same outfits in both gardens. And so it would be very confusing to have them fight each other. (laughs) They didn't want to make Mm -hmm. another whole set of, uh, set of outfits. Um, okay. Well, all right. There is one monster that you can find in this garden that was seated earlier. And that happens when you cross the hockey rink and run into the enemies called the slappers. Which, if you remember back in the day, like a few, when we first came here, there was mention of like, we were talking about the Mutant Hockey League reference in here. This is the Mutant Galbadian hockey team here. And they are the Ugh. goofiest enemies in this entire, entire game. Yes. Yes, yes. It. I also love. I love that uh, the hockey rink text says "Keep on rocking in Galbadia." Both, mm-hmm. uh, like, and and it says that like during the fight, they've rendered this arena, this this hockey rink, as a battle arena, yeah. and so you can see it mm-hmm. when you're fighting them. They've yeah, they've got the goalie masks on. It's so mm-hmm. good, and 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 they do like. They they do coordinated attacks with, with like formation names and shit. Like if you actually like fight them for longer than like ten seconds, and like they have a little cheer. It's like we have heart, go Galbadia, and then they do like a special attack, <laughs> and they have these cute little bear mascots on their jerseys. Like their their uh, their mascot is the Galbadia bears. It's very this is, cute. This is why we don't blend school spirit with war crimes. Like just <laughs> straight up. Look, yeah, I mean, like the graduates. You- <laughs> uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna put a picture of the logo in a recording text uh or at least a, a sketch of it like, it's that's adorable th- yeah that's very cute it's also i just love yeah. i i just i love the existence of normal sports of basketball and hockey in this world especially when there is zero evidence that there's ever been a professional version of these sports anywhere mm-hmm. in this world. So it seems like it's only a school pursuit, uh, which yeah. I know isn't the case. It's just, you know, this world, the world building in this game is very like hasty and full of holes. Mm-hmm. It's Swiss cheese. Um, but yeah, it's. 
Yeah, just imagine imagine the tensions in the uh, Galbadian, uh, you know, the Galbadian Bears versus the Timber Owls hockey game. <laughs> God. <laughs> Are the Timber uh, yeah, Owls I, I love... just Canadians? <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah, actually. That does kind of track. Uh, ineffectual, slightly lefty. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch a lot of Red Green Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. Place the you're most rule. likely to be surprised by a hard R. Got it. <laughs> Fuck. I, I, I just love a, the scan definite, or like, the scan description of them, uh, you know, they, they call them demi-human, which is already like, what the hell is a demi-human Whoa. in this world? But also mm-hmm. that, they, that they attack with speed and teamwork, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> it's, that's what they do. <laughs> but it's adorable. I mean, you know, uh, they're also trying to murder you, you know. Yeah, yeah the, there is that. You know, what? one of the, you know, you, you never have like those scenes in a movie that like weirdly scar you in a way that. You know, every once in a while, you remember, like, why did that freak me out so much? Uh, have you all seen Basketball? You know, the yes. old South Park movies. You know, like, the scene with the hockey fights at the beginning where the guy gets, like, beheaded and the goalie is, like, you know, with someone's skate and then the goalie just, like, leaves. Like, that, like, freaked me out a little too much when I watched that uh, when I was younger. And I was like, fuck, that, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> it's dark as hell. <laughs> uh, but, like, these guys remind me of that. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so you're going around the garden, you're unlocking these doors, uh, you go to the second floor, and then you see Raijin and Fujin just hanging out, but they are weary as hell, and they they tell Squall and, you know, the other people with him that, you know, Cypher's really gone off the deep end, and, you know, we're, we're, we're just done with this guy, you know, we tried talking to him, it didn't, didn't work, I mean, we're still his posse, but, like, you know what, you guys go uh, beat him up for us. And then... After that, uh, we end up at the third level, and we jump down to the tennis court area, and then we enter through the front courtyard, and now you basically have unlocked everything. You get the third card key, and you basically can run anywhere else in the uh, building. But in the main courtyard, Cerberus is just hanging out. There's a three-headed dog monster, and he's just staring at you, and like he follows you around if you go around in a circle. It's very funny. Uh, but this is the Guardian Force Cerberus, and uh, talk to him, and he challenges you to a fight. This is why I had to ask if I mixed up which garden we were in, because um, why did they just have a GF that they were never going to use chilling around this place like the school mascot? Because Which we know Galbadia, it's not because of the bears. Galbadia doesn't use GFs. Mm-hmm. Except Idea does, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, it, they, this feels really like they just stuck this here, being like, we can't have you miss a very obvious speed-related uh, GF, so let's just stick them right here. It would be much funnier, though, if Cerberus, like, you fought Cerberus with Adia there, and, like, Adia had Cerberus on, like, a leash or something. That would have been fun. But, no, nah, it's just just here. This, this does feel like the most uh, we-need-something-optional-in-this-for-you-to-miss um, yeah, but it's well, impossible to miss. So there is a throwaway line that where Squall like asks out loud, like, what is Cerberus doing here? <laughs> um, 
And then the the throwaway explanation that they give is someone's like, well, maybe Galbadia Garden is like experimenting with guardian forces. Like they're not junctioning mm. them to students, but they have like an evil lab going on where they're trying to do stuff with it. Gosh, there's also um, I'm reading like uh, some like higher level seed exam questions that wow. are that that ask this question basically um <laughs> that's great and ba- essentially they want they they wanted to make cyber new types at, where they wanted to give galbadian garden students gf like junction powers without actually doing the full seed gf junction stuff but mm. they didn't finish it would have been much cooler if they did and that was a new enemy you could fight here Right. Mm -hmm. Especially one that has I mean, you did have the paratroopers that have stop, even though stop is like the opposite of what Cerberus does. But like you could have had it like there or like tie it in somehow. It does seem like the way this is presented, it's just completely random. But it's like, you know what? Yoink free GF. That's nice. I mean, you have to fight it, but. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. But like, yeah, it makes no sense. It, yeah, it does. It's it is very silly, and it is it, the 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 explanation that the game gives is both extremely missable and also just does feel like a hand wave. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it, yeah there, there's a bunch of those. Like I I forgot to go back to it, but there's an explanation for you know when the the missile base team was in the tank in one of Selfie's journals, she just says that the tank was just operating automatically like on like remote control they were not actually operating the tank at all they were just along for the ride and that's how they ended up like you know going along with a mission in galbadia and nobody just opened the tank and looked for the three people that were just hanging out in there it's it's such a band-aid like why even put it there (laughs) such a dismissive jerk off motion of an explanation just i know like yeah uh I, I, you know, I need, I need to have my chess pieces in the same place here. This is why. Yeah. yeah. But fuck, I and mean, that, like, give, give Cerberus to, uh, give Cerberus to Cypher. That would have been a nice match, right? Like, yeah. that could have been interesting. And mm-hmm. the lapdog mm-hmm. metaphor works. Oh my God, that it would be too. perfect. Yeah. It's really, I mean, you know, the seams of this game are so prominent once you start looking and as yep. much attention to detail as they put into the cg cutscenes and certain parts of the character development and certain parts of the plot it's just that you can tell that they are just paper macheing over holes in the drywall in other places mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like is a four disc game with tons of cg cutscenes, and there is still so much area reuse like the exploring yeah. the garden a second time but just with i know it we're i don't want to harp too much about it but it really like there's a cool effect by like oh i'm familiar with this place but now there's enemies but you spend it it's too long for of of a dungeon for that coolness Mm to to like really carry through so eventually it's just like i kind of want to turn on fast forward and just bust through the rest of this well, there's nothing visually to latch onto because it's literally just what if we removed all the NPCs from the screens that we were on before? Like, there's no change. Like, they don't change the environment in a way that would have reflected what has changed in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. Other than Cerberus mm-hmm. being there. Uh, like, right. it would have been much better if there was, like, even if there was just, like, guns and swords, like, strewn about the place or, like, you know, 
they're, you know, they turned the like one hallway into like uh, a mess hall or something like, like give us something to say. Yeah. You know, it just looks really sterile. And then on top of that, they're playing the really bland, you know, slow Galbadian garden music, which is one of my mm-hmm. least favorite tracks in the game. And it just it's just so flaccid. The whole mm-hmm. that this whole section of like this dungeon is just flaccid. Sybil demonstrating quite literally, not not like that. But <laughs> oh, I thought she was raising her hand to say something else. Nope, I was just having the finger curled down. I want to point out it's a finger when someone says I'm demonstrating flaccid quite literally. <laughs> yeah, I just fair. I just wanted to be clear because as soon as I said that, I went like someone's going to take that the wrong way. Sybil hiked her skirts and showed how much everything shrunk. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, Cerberus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the, speaking, the speaking reason- of a GF that can get it up and keep it up, and by that I mean his tail. Yeah. The mm. reason I had to ask is because when we had GF suddenly wandering around in the environment reuse, I actually asked myself, wait, did I mix up which garden we landed on? <laughs> and that's why I was just double checking. Also, ever since you made the cyber new type reference, Ryan, I've just been sitting here imagining selfie wandering around in the middle of a battle with a headache at water fountains. <laughs> oh my god. Do not put selfie in the psycho Gundam. <laughs> Squall, I become a different person. When- <laughs> yeah. Uh Cerberus is a pretty okay boss fight it's got a lot of powerful magic the big threat is the speed that comes out of it using the triple buff for a multicast when cerberus is all amped up on triple speed its stance changes and so you want to hit the dog with a dispel asap when it gets all excitable with waggy tail big pro tip mug the dog for a speed junction scroll because we don't have a lot of these Smack him around enough, and he's like, ah, as a dog, I know that violence is how you say you love me. I will come with you now. (laughs) Cerberus is, obviously, another speed-focused GF with abilities like auto-haste and alert. And now, if you've been collecting everything, you can have all three party members with boosted speed. Also worth tweaking, ability times three, and strength defense junction times four. Mm. Uh, That's status defense. Uh... Status defense junction. Type Everything in this game is so <laughs> fucking abbreviated. I know, I know. Stadef JX4. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, it's it's. I know that it's like extremely difficult to parse this shit, and I've been doing playing this game for like twenty years. So like in my head, I just know all these things, and I'm like, oh, of course that's status defense junction times four. Didn't you know? No, I, I, I still, didn't. I, I I forget that people don't have that that like like it's not as immediately readable and gg has also been tainted in two directions both by good game and by gamergate and so seeing oh, no. that abbreviation for galbadia garden i'm just kind of like uh. sorry um, i didn't even think of that i was just like i'm not typing okay. this 10 more times fuck off. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and and again i know we've made this joke before but it is a bummer that there's like a g soldier and a g commander but no g unit Missed opportunity, even though G Unit was not even a thing in 1999 yet. Neither was GameStop. Look, I would, no, I would imagine, right. I would imagine that this is where they got the idea from, right? They were just playing mm-hmm. this game, being like, mm-hmm. you know what? We are G's. They're G's. 
They're like a unit, man. They're like a, they're like an army. We're an army. We're the G unit. Yeah, Fifty Cent, uh, frontman of the Galbadia unit. <laughs> so um, that was DJ Woo Kid's fault, and you know it. <laughs> if you uh, if you head up to the second floor in this area near the room where you learned about Cipher's supposed execution, and leave to the left, you can find an elevator uh, that goes to the very top. Cipher and Adia are there uh, for another fight scene here. In a nice little bit of detail, Cypher will individually mock the members of the party you were taking into battle, but his attempt at mind games are so bad. Like, he, Mm -hmm. both this upcoming battle and also his trash talk here, he has been so neutered by Idea and by the plot. And, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like we've already had the climactic rival moments, and so, like, this is just wet fart Cypher all over the place. Uh, My party for this was Cypher, Irvine, and Renoa. Uh, for Irvine, he just says, <laughs> you're a Galbadian soldier. Like, that fucking means anything at this point. <laughs> and then and then with Renoa, he goes, <laughs> we fucked last year. Uh, which, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Who cares? Am I supposed to take Cypher seriously as a rival? Because he feels like Gilgamesh at this point. He does He's feel the like joke Gilgamesh. character. Yeah. This is, yeah, I think it, Cy- Cypher is a... Cypher is a failure of of a character arc, I think. I, I like yep. we've talked in previous episodes about how we think Cypher's been done dirty. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of potential at the beginning, and there's a lot of potential like at the end of disc one, and then yeah. it just sucks. But I do think, to answer your question, I do think that he is supposed to be like a legitimate rival. I just think that the game is fumbling that. Yeah, I mean, this is what we talked about. You know, end of disc one, same thing. Like, are we supposed to take him seriously? Or, or like, or beginning of disc two when he's like, you know, doing the tortures and stuff. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're supposed to be like, oh, it's on now. And uh, yeah, no, it just it, with with adult eyes and critical eyes, it just doesn't doesn't work. I think he makes more mm-hmm. jokes than everyone who isn't Zell. Mm-hmm. 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 He's supposed to be like, yeah, the the like the wisecracking asshole, but it he just he's a fucking goofus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is funny. I was going to mention the party I took in here, too, because uh, Ryan and it turns out to be the exact same one you did. Oh, <laughs> because and, and, and I, I was like and I was specifically doing that. I'm doing the Ryan. I'm doing this as a role play thing and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and going to be like, well, Irvine knows his way around Galbadia Garden because he's Galbadian. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Renoa wants to be near Squall and prove that she's a fighter. So she wants to be there, too. And so that's how, how I picked my party for the second. So it's extremely funny. You did the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. For the same reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so. Squall's response before the fight starts is just, hey, to us, you're just another enemy, like one of the monsters. And that is not the flex that Squall thinks it is. But again, Mm -hmm. he's already so much better and cooler than Cypher that it doesn't really matter. Look, Squall's Mm. already eliminated most subhumans he's come across. So in this battle, uh, Cypher is slightly stronger than before. His big new trick is Demon Slice, where he will Beyblade you. 
That is what he's doing uh, for yeah. a decent chunk of damage. Uh, it is worth mugging him for eight Mega Phoenixes. I just have to shout out my boy Angelo, who clearly has held a grudge against Cypher uh, mm-hmm. for uh, being a little fuckboy towards Renoa, because when he <laughs> came out, he body slammed Cypher for more than 5,000 HP, when Hell Cypher's yes. max HP is only 8,800 at my current level. So just absolutely bodied by the dog. Mm. That it was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, after the fight, Cypher is laid out on the ground. Uh, Adea mocks him and fades through the floor into the auditorium below question mark. It's not actually below when you look at the map, but don't think about it too hard. We're told she's in the auditorium. Uh, if you talk to Cypher here, he says that there's no way that you can defeat Adea. Like, I'm surprised he actually has anything to say. But. Yeah. The one thing uh, I didn't mention about the elevator into this room is that it's a little like when you the the angle when you first look into this room is like way back behind where the elevator comes in. And there's like a little JPEG of the top of the elevator that just goes up into the (laughs) up into the frame. And uh, that that was always very cute to me. And then when you go back down the elevator, it just goes back down. (laughs) It's great. Uh, so anyway, you go back down the elevator and then you go to the, you don't go back down to the courtyard. You go out the other direction and you're on the second level, like the mezzanine level of the courtyard. You go around the other way and, uh, there's the auditorium there. Adea evil speeches at the seeds and Squall thinks internally that, uh, this is, you know, you're nothing like the matron we knew, you know, something is weird here. And then we start another boss fight. Somehow, Cypher has lapped us here, even though we left him basically laid out on a floor. Mm-hmm. And Adea is going to just chill for the first part of the battle, just kind of cackling and letting him take all the hits. It, this is basically the same battle, although you can mug him for new items, including a hero or a holy war, which, again, not going to comment on all the different sub-genocides that Cypher and Squall have been performing in this game. <laughs> <laughs> when Cypher loses again, Idea will step up for battle. So, in, in this, like, first of all, the way okay so the way that idea totally disrespects cypher uh very very funny and also pathetic uh speaking of pathetic though the sexual undertones of cypher's like knighthood where he's trying to be idea's like royal knight protecting her way weirder now that we know that idea is literally mommy just like the yeah. it 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 goes it goes from mommy sorry to mommy sorry in in ways that i don't love uh brian we know through tamino that the only way to defeat a mommy issues guy is with a daddy issues guy (laughs) so true uh that's it sorry that's it that's all i had to say (laughs) Uh, when she steps up you should immediately draw the alexander gf from her which great holy magic but Adea now, once again, has the most powerful spells you're going to be running into, this time with Maelstrom, which halves your current HP and inflicts Curse, a lock on your limit breaks. It will come out pretty regularly. At a certain point, as long as you have a decent amount of damage, it's not worth trying to cure the status effect. Just keep the HP up. 
If you'd like, you can mug a royal crown from her, which is an accessory giving a GF mag plus 60. Yeah, that's uh, that's very nice if you, you know, care about magic stats, which most of the time you don't. But I, I forgot to put in my usual, uh, here are the details about this Guardian Force thing in here, so I'll just... I'll just wing it. Um, so yeah, Alexander is a, you know, main summon attack is like a giant bunch of missiles, which does holy damage. It looks really sick. I, I've always struggled with Alexander as a concept because it's like, what is like, this looks like a, like a mech version of like a castle parapet. Living cathedral. Living mm-hmm. cathedral. Okay. That, That's why that it's all holy sense. elemental. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, I feel like, I mean, going back to the original season of this podcast, Final Fantasy 13, like the Alexander there is even way more difficult to sort of pin down, even though it's like, I don't know. I, I've always thought it looked cool, but never really understood, like, what's the point of this? Uh, it's pretty much the same design in Final Fantasy 9, too, right? Like, it's a pretty similar mm-hmm. one. It just yeah. gets cool wings. Alexander is what if Sid Mean designed a Mormon church? <laughs> hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what it like. I wonder what the inspiration like the like the extra textual inspiration for Alexander is like. What is the folklore behind a giant mech living cathedral? Yeah. Where does it come from? Especially when you consider like all the other GFs or summons in the game or like in the series are all references to, you know, other cultures and and gods and deities and stuff, you know, Mm. like, you know, Shiva, Quetzalcoatl, uh, etc. So I, I I just answered my own question, uh, although there are no citations on FinalFantasy.Fandom.com for hey, this. Hey, you also going... this up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We, we all there. Uh-huh. Alexander's feature as a summoned monster likely draws inspiration from the legendary Gates of Alexander the Great, which were believed to be raised by summoned jinn to protect the Macedonian Empire from those alleged to be the infernal and savage tribe of Gog and Magog. So uh, it's an Alexander the Great reference, and I did not know about the Gates of Alexander. Hmm. That is cool. T-I-L. I'm sorry, I didn't know they made Alexander a twink in one of the mobile games. <laughs> oh, okay, it's because he's summoned by Hope. That's supposed to be a really bad chibi Hope. Never mind. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, the reason why you want Alexander... It's got a, a elemental defense junction times four, which is nice. Ability times three, which is nice. But really, the key thing you want is um, a skill called med level up, which you basically take an item and you upgrade it. You know, basically you do like a refine on your items to make it stronger items. And you want this because it allows you to get another guardian force. And this is the only way to get that particular item that you need for that. We won't talk about that for another couple episodes, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, if you miss this GF, you're going to be missing out on another one, uh, like a more obscure one. But yeah, it is kind of weird, though, that the uh, the do you think it's weird that the evil sorceress has a holy guardian force? Is that weird? No, she's Ooh, basically just a Virgin Mary figure who is clearly not acting in her own right mind. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the exa- that's the okay. that's the thing is that yeah, matron very holy associated, Idea not. Mm. Um yeah, Sybil, I think you're right on. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense.
just before we finish talking about the battle, uh, first of all, I was just absolutely wrecking shop with Squall and Renoa in this fight. This was the first like series of fights where I felt absolutely no pressure whatsoever. Just like fully junctioned up, doing some limit breaks, pretty easy. Uh, second, did Adia really have to somersault through a screen the way that she did? Just like, <laughs> it was very funny because her whole deal has been like conservation of energy. Like she like magics herself an invisible chair to lounge in a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. so for her to just like straight up somersault through the screen was uh, very extra for for who she is. It was very fun. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that before, but yeah, but imagine the scene version where she just kind of floats down through it. That could be cool, but it also could be kind of flaccid, again, flaccid. Uh, yeah, like, it, yeah, it could be flat cooler. and non-dynamic, but it was a very like Advent children moment when her whole deal has been <laughs> kind of to be like slow and ethereal. God, okay. what, what what a slam on something to call it an Advent children moment. Like The thing is, like I've never <laughs> even seen Advent children and I know what that is. There's a lot of somersaulting through the air in Advent Children, let me tell okay, you. Okay. I mean, I guess I guess to keep it in uh, you know, lightning strikes thrice terms, it's extremely Kingsglaive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just because this started to make me wonder about it, and maybe I'm wrong on these numbers because I'm trying not to dig too deep because I don't want to spoil myself. I just looked up how many missable GFs are there in FF8? And the uh-huh. number given is you can skip over 10 of them if you don't know uh-huh. what you're doing. Yeah, uh-huh. that's There's right. The number that I got when I googled how many GFs are there in FF8 is 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, like, think about it. You're given three at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then all the rest of them are technically optional, right? Like, you, I mean... Does it mean missable like you can't go back and get them later? I guess. I guess. Uh, it means missable as in they are locked until the final disc. Somebody points out there's only one of them that you can really permanently miss, I guess. Yeah, they do there's there's a little there's a there's a little like cleanup section in disc four where you can yep. go back and get a whole but not all, but a lot of the missable stuff, uh, if you yeah. want to spend that time. Or mm. if you don't want to like <laughs> if you don't want to do a uh um, a super boss to get a particular GF. You could just fight one of the end game bosses, and uh, that's much easier. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like the 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 game has so many like cultural memes around it, and absolutely rotten with hidden bullshit is like the ninth or tenth back in order of popularity and ubiquity, and so. Mm-hmm. The fact that Final Fantasy VIII is absolutely rotten with hidden bullshit is very a very prominent part of this game, but it is not something that I really associate with this game just because there's it absolutely rotten with being broken wide open, totally goofy nonsensical plot. Like there, there, there are so many things in kind of like the cultural memory of Final Fantasy VIII before, hey, there is so much missable shit that it doesn't tell you about. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. Like when you think about other battle systems, I, I, I struggle to think of another game. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a, an obscure one that someone could name that, like, probably one of y'all could name, where you know 
the ma- the primary mechanic, you could accidentally end up not being exposed to 40% of it or like 60% of it, unless you're being thorough. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like the Guardian Forces and the Junctions are the game. Like that is essentially what you're doing. So the, imagine you're not getting like 60 to 70% of the skills. Uh, it would be really funny the it depends on whether we count it will let you misuse the system in which case Mm. some of the wild arms games can really let you just blow your fucking foot off with bad development (laughs) or Mm. if we do mean you can miss it if we mean that latter one, the only thing I can think of that's on this level, and this is one of the most damning statements I personally can make, feels like Golden Sun. Jins <laughs> <laughs> are GFs. Uh, yeah, I mean, they pretty much are, except in that game, you really need to be summoning, and God, that takes forever. And your class development is locked to them, and... yeah. Yeah. So glad that all of us are in the uh, Golden Sun anti defense squad. Well, I I don't. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I say I was gonna say. Oh, yeah. I'm not a defender. I was like, no. Yeah, I I don't defend them, and I. But I, I liked that game when I played it. But I'm never gonna go back to it. My memory's rosy enough that I'm like, I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm just gonna let oh, it go. You you ever want to hear me just roast on a game? I don't know yeah, if there's a single system in Golden Sun that functions as mm-hmm. if it were designed by humans. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other the uh. other one that I can think of which is not like it's not like a missable thing, it's just a you can make this game completely impossible to enjoy if you don't follow the the correct path to making it fun is a uh, Vagrant Story. That mm-hmm. That game, uh, you're not like missing key items as you're going forward, but you are making the game way, way, way harder for yourself each time you make progress without like optimizing Mm. your loadout and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I just wonder, like, what about Materia and Final Fantasy VII? Like, what if you don't go out of your way to dig those up? Like, is are you basically hamstringing yourself? Yeah. But I guess in that game, you could just for that. Oh, you mm-hmm. could just buy them? Yeah, I forgot that you could just buy them. I, I just think of the ones that are, like, plot-relevant, like Meteor and whatnot. Like, you won't get some cool stuff that way, but the game makes sure in 7 that you can always go and hit up yeah. a store if you feel like you have a lack of something. It would be hilarious if there was a pet shop in the game that was <laughs> just here, buy your GFs. <laughs> I mean, they basically, the pet shops, like are basically where you buy GF items, which is funny that there's an economy for that, even though nobody really uses them except for Mm -hmm. this one mercenary group. Hmm. So after the battle, Squall is seemingly knocked down uh, and he's like frozen and watching the uh, the events kind of take place after we uh, seemingly, you know, the the fight ends. Uh, Squall's vision is cloudy as he watches Renoa just kind of walk over to Cypher's body, pull him up, move her head close to his uh, as if maybe they were a kiss. Cypher then gets up, struts away, and Renoa collapses to the floor inert. 
Quistus rushes in to check on her. It's very clear that there's like some weird possession thing going on. Mm -hmm. Adea then speaks up in a completely different tone. She calls the children out by their nicknames, praises them for becoming so strong. She says, is this a joyous day or an odious one? And then desperately asks whether she managed to protect Alone. So, like, clearly she's being brought out of some kind of reverie here, uh, mm. which, you know what? I was happy for this. It it did tie Matron and Adea together a little bit more. Uh, and then Quistus calls to Squall about Renoa, and Squall thinks to himself what might have happened to her. We are now... Two for two on discs ending with Squall in possibly some kind of <laughs> critical condition on his ass after succeeding at a boss fight. Yep. <laughs> against uh, against a sorceress. The same sorceress. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's the end of disc two. So does anyone have any thoughts about this point of the game now that we're like past the halfway point? This was a very fun and climactic action sequence full of, like, really great, especially great for 1999, but just objectively fun to watch uh, cutscenes and little, little like, moments. Again, the actual, like, dungeon portion, unbelievably repetitive and rote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're picking apart all of these little, all these little holes. But I... I thought that, like, the rising action and then the tension of, you know, like, oh, shit, like, we're starting to discover stuff about potential possession and stuff, uh, it it brought the silliness of the matron reveal a little bit closer to, like, like dramatically impactful for me uh, it, mm. with this little bit of intrigue. Uh, although I wasn't as down on the matron reveal as silly as it is as as some of my co-hosts. Mm-hmm. So at this point, as the only one of us who doesn't know what's coming, I have questions as a result of obvious possession being broken. Mm-hmm. Were other characters similarly possessed like this? Did we murder Norg because something about our garden is cursed and holding in an evil spirit that's trying to break free? That would explain why a lot of people associated with running this place immediately decide murder the children. <laughs> um, like, I have questions and mostly... The asset reuse and fact that we are just kind of using the same players over and over, and there are two more discs of this, leads me to wonder, am I just going to murder every character with a name by the end of this because we've already <laughs> run out of cast? Um, yeah. The... Now Renoa's getting in on the I'm gonna have a pass out thing... This one, (sighs) way less than the first disc, Uh leaves me wanting to know what comes next. Because right now, I'm just going, well, did we win? Do we, (laughs) are we, am I going to get any answers? What, what, and I know a bit of what comes next. I'm just sticking to this bit for this recording session, but. Right. Uh, Yeah, it does. Like, I would agree. I mean, it's. 
it's such a mixed bag, which I guess is like the thesis of this season, right? Which is, I, I think that the hype parts, like the parts where there's a lot of tension, really good. Like a lot of the cutscenes here, a lot of the little action set pieces, the play, not very good. Like, mm. I would have loved to fight a motorcycle dude. That would have been cool. Or like, I don't know, the monster thing just seems to come out of nowhere. The Cerberus thing comes out of nowhere. I really do like the the curse mechanic or sorry, the, the maelstrom mechanic in the in the boss fight here, because I think that's actually the it's like the first time the game really goes, oh, I know what you're going to want to do is be low level or like, you know, we're going to do a, a, a an attack that does a lot of damage to you. That's going to bring you down to crisis level. And then you're like, OK, you're going to spam your li limit breaks. But what if we take that away, too? So now you have to scramble to do two things like I liked what they did mechanically there story wise. Yeah, I just it's really hard for me to. Yeah, it, it is funny because it is a reprise. It's literally a reprise of the end of disc one. And the stakes are definitely much higher than it was the first time around. But yeah, like, it's funny to think like, what, is this it? Because it does kind of feel like this is it until what happens in disc three happens. And then the the status quo gets changed significantly. But yeah, it does kind of bring a close to the whole orphanage thing, right? Because it is, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And even like Squall was like, this isn't the same person that I probably would have been running an orphanage, right? So what the hell happened there? And then you get a like a brief glimpse of like, oh, that was a, some kind of different person. Okay, what right. happens? Like, how do we figure it out? It, it's definitely not like cashing the check that the amnesia wrote. Hmm. Well. So, okay. Sybil, do you want, like, uh, do you want not actual answers, but like, well, listen, I was eventually satisfied by X uh, answers at this point, or do you just kind of want to leave the questions open? Because I want to leave it open because right now okay. I think there's definitely people who are sitting here going, what's Sybil going to say next? But <laughs> yeah, sure. also, your comment on how this wraps pretty much the same way as disc one made me think what happened on disc two we got the orphanage reveal mm -hmm. we met some hippies question mark well, oh, also we also some gardens blew up <laughs> yeah yeah trib yeah so like yeah end of disc one Adea officially takes over and you know reveals that she's trying to have some global domination shit and then disc two we're in prison trabia garden blows up we like bond over trauma shit garden reveal orphanage reveal and then you know it's like i do i do feel like at this point it is positioned so that balam garden and the seeds are like the only forces that can stop just like the inevitable march of expansionism and domination that Idea is trying to enact and then we have the climactic battle where the two gardens fight and i guess we just like don't know what the state of the world is right now but yeah you're right for being like 10 15 hours of play that is surprisingly little you're right though we did we possibly took every other garden off the map than our own Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, let's not forget LNA. LNA becomes <laughs> oh. part of the story. Like that's a huge, a huge 
I mean, we don't know the implications of what that means yet. Like, where is that going to go? And the funny thing is that so much of the stuff that we go like, okay, well, th- then so what? Or where are we going from here? So much of that gets answered next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's yes. so f- yeah. 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 The, uh, like, I'm a just a peek behind the kimono here. We were originally going to record this in the next episode back to back. So I wrote the notes for the next episode before this. And so like, I like, like try biting my tongue so fucking hard not to be like, by the way, uh, the reason why X is, um, but yeah, like when you look at like disc one and then disc two, like in a silo like that, before you even get to those answers. Yeah. I mean, you, you are left with a couple of interesting questions, right? Like you have the whole Adea thing. You also have a, well, what happened to Renoa thing? Right, because that's. I'm gonna we, be we honest. Got to, I don't care what happened to Renoa. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed. Well, the thing is, you're supposed to, right? Like you're, you're supposed to be like, okay, she's finally making a connection to Squall. Squall's still kind of resisting, but he's still kind of being strung along, and like he doesn't realize it yet. And then all of a sudden, oh no, something bad happened, uh, or something okay. weird happened. So, sort of like how I can't tell if Cipher is supposed to be a serious or comedic foil. Mm. Renoa seems like someone who you should be rooting for in that she's trying to get Squall out of his shell, but also should in no way be rooting for because she is one of the worst possible partners out Uh of a cast of the messiest women. (laughs) Like, that's the... When I was younger, I... 100% 100% agreed with that take. I had no idea, like, other than, like, okay, she's hot. I get it. But, like, why would is Squall she? be interested in this woman at all? Okay, like, for a teenager, whatever. Like, no. if you were if you were a teen and she was a teen, whatever. Like, she's I supposed thought, to be attractive, right? I wait, wait, When I was of this age, I yes. definitely thought that both Quistus and Selfie were way hotter than yeah, Renoa. That's, that's more the question I'm asking. I don't think <laughs> Renoa is the hot one. Okay, uh-huh. yes, yes, okay. Some people will pick Chie over. <laughs> I haven't played oh, that um, game. Which one is Chie? Oh, f- the, the short-haired one. Uh, She's the, the one that loves burgers. That's all I know. Uh, the one that does karate. And I'm vegetarian, tomboy. bitch. You're off the list. <laughs> you know, I'm totally I, forgetting of her friend's name, but it's like, it was, it was very funny playing Persona 4, which is like, okay, so you have the, you have the tomboy girl and you have like the most just normal demure femme girl. Like that's that's the one. And I'm like Renoa kind of fits that type a little bit more. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't I didn't care much for Renoa. I like her better now. But you know, like you're right. Like the thing that doesn't really gel with me is like why does she like Squall so much? Like why does everyone <laughs> like Squall so much? Well, she <laughs> yeah. she kind of likes Squall, but also she's got a weird messy history with Cipher that we're kind of projecting onto Squall. Mm-hmm. In some ways, yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? She has big I can fix him energy. That's really what it is. <laughs> yeah. I and I do wanna like I do wanna say that like once again Squall's monologues about Cypher here are really good. Like he does care a lot and he's a very naturally empathetic person, but he's afraid of showing his empathy because of his abandonment issues. And so he like has so many big emotions, but he can't get them out. And so he just gets like angry and like that does 
project a lot of mm-hmm. I can fix him because you see mm-hmm. the caring, but then you also see the anger and like the befuddlement and you see the standoffishness and you're like, there's something there. There is a spark of like a really mm-hmm. genuinely cool and good person there that I want to get to know more. I don't, I mean, you also I don't have, know like, how Renoa sees it, but yeah. The thing is, like, it's just such a teenager thing, too. Like, that's really, like, mm-hmm. to, to like, dial it or, like, to, to put it in perspective again. Like, you know, if these were all older characters, none of this would fit. Like, none of this would make sense. None of the reason why anyone's interested in anyone makes any sense. Like, because they are, like, specifically, like, 16, 17, 18, whatever, it it feels much more like, oh, I want to like this person, so I'm going to try very hard to make this person like me. Like, that just feels very like a young person thing to do so circling back i've been really listening straight through to um the ranged touch podcast homestuck made this world which is uh cameron kunzelman and michael lutz going through the webcomic slash multimedia monster homestuck from like a critical perspective where Michael was a Homestuck fan and Cameron has never read any of it. And they're trying to analyze how this like behemoth of a webcomic ended up both predicting and kind of creating a lot of weird, a lot of the weird modern internets, like in a lot of pop culture's relationship between the the creator and the fans and like the, the creator and the brand and all of that. And it's a very good podcast even though i don't really like homestuck that much but um one of cameron's big things as being the like archival reader who was not in it at the time is he's kind of like you know what may have seemed like these really shocking and cool left turns when you were only getting a few pages a week or or a couple updates a day or whatever looking back it just completely the amount of expectation subversion and wild left turns and you don't know what the story's going to change to and focus on from one week to the next ends up robbing Cameron of all of any kind of like caring about where the story goes next and it and it made him stop wondering what's going to happen next cuz he's like I don't fucking know they could be in a whole other dimension talking about other characters mm-hmm. that I've never met and don't give a shit about next week like what the fuck is the point of trying to figure out what the story wants me to care about it doesn't know what it yeah. wants me to care about and yeah. Sybil hearing you kind of talk about your thoughts at the end of these discs it's giving me a lot of that vibe you know um and which is is interesting yeah like i mean the thread that's again the thread that's supposed to pull you through in this game is this romance and if you don't buy the romance which is you know i can totally understand then you know then you start looking around and go what's this other shit going on and it's like well none of this hangs together if you don't really care about this thing in the middle or it's like you're supposed to care so much about that that the rest of it doesn't matter as much right and I care about it only really at this point because I know where it's going and because Yeah, it hasn't proven I kind of, yet. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of like it in total. But it does it left turns so much. I mean, one of the memes about another meme about this game is that each disc has a different plot focus essentially. And so mm-hmm. it yeah, it is it is it's a it's a fucking mess. It is an absolute <laughs> mess. <laughs> While we were having this discussion a horrible revelation hit me. Mm-hmm. The Squall, Renoa, Cypher, 
love triangle is basically Cloud, Tifa, Zack, but one's not dead and you glassed all three of them before every scene. <laughs> I, I can see that. Cause, I can, cause, I can kind of see that. Squall is just Cloud. He's just doing the same thing. Ah, oh, I've got a lot of dark internal monologue, but I have to come out of my shell by the end of things. And like, Cloud ends that game in a good place. I don't think we're going to get a long sequence of a comatose squall. I don't think we're going to do it one-to-one, but right now it's just woman with a slightly mysterious past is really into you, but also she's really into your predecessor and what Mm. happened there that Mm. we're not going to discuss. That's part of a revelation that's coming in the final act. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of projection in 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 both romances, but the projection manifests mm-hmm. itself slightly differently, kind of like the trauma manifests itself slightly differently. Yeah. So you're right. It is. It's very much a remix, a sprite remix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a DNA. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I have to God. hold my tongue because of things that happen later. Uh, but because it's it's funny because the parallels are there are other parallels. It does feel like a remix in, in more ways than just uh, just that. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, and then the thing from oh, I can't. OK, well, yeah, hold on right? to that. I'm going to have hold to pick on you that. on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I, I think this is a this is also just yeah such a funny place to end this conversation because there's just so much we're going to have to talk about next episode. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, well, anyway, before we do that, let's 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 do some plugs. Yeah, yeah. Sybil, you can find me and many shows for this network and others at my website, hellscaper.com. You can listen to Chris Taylor and I talk about Final Fantasy fourteen, the MMO in excruciating but still rollicking detail uh, if you uh, go over to the Pitch Drop Patreon and contribute at least a dollar a month, although I would also suggest more for some things that Matt's going to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a little show called Icons and Icons, and it is uh, extremely a good time. You can also listen to Boku no Stop, our anime watch-along podcasts. There is a free version where we are covering Code Geass. I have yet to watch any of it yet. Uh, it'll hopefully be interesting. I've, I've heard good things <laughs> oh, about season yeah. one. Whew. Okay. Um, uh, are you watching both seasons, by the way? We're doing no, the first one. for now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the premium version, uh, we are in the middle of doing the Death Note movies. Uh, I think we're going to do the three Japanese ones. I kind of want to do the the, um, the American one, too the Netflix one just for comparison's sake. But yeah, that uh, that's where we are now. And I think we're probably going to do serial experiments lane after that. I think that's the one that's. Oh, nice. Need, um, which I'm, I'm excited for just cards on the table. Um, the U S death note movie gets a lot of hate from a lot of different circles. I think it whips all kinds of ass. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is very good. I'm I'm willing to check it out. I was surprised the first Japanese movie was actually quite good. You know, a couple quibbles aside, I think it was a really smart adaptation. Uh, and mm. it does some does some things to make it work in a uh, mm-hmm. like two hour movie. 
I just keep thinking of mocapping Willem Dafoe's dong for Ryuk. <laughs> and now I'm thinking of Lars von Trier's Death Note US. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I just love how many stories there are of having to hide that man's enormous hog in I know. productions. I know. We've mentioned it on the podcast before, Home of the Hog. <laughs> <laughs> I will never not mention his hog. Home of the Underhogs. <laughs> hey, I should see if JDR is still alive. Good thinking. <laughs> Beyond that, uh, I also do some review work. Uh, I write the occasional Yuri Manga review on Okazu. There's going to be a link in the description where you can find those. Um, also, I just launched related i just launched a new blog specifically so i could write like a million words about the yuri manga series how do we relationship which is uh my favorite thing right now that is called oh my god they were bandmates so you can check that (laughs) out at omgbandmates.wordpress.com uh hopefully i will have at least the first post for that there later That's all until next time, where we'll be talking about the game up through the Great Salt Lake. See you next time. Bye. Peace.